Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast, the official podcast of FilmPulse.net. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is episode number 177. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, Kevin Rakestraw. How are you doing there, Kevin? I'm doing I'm doing all right. Cool. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. This week we'll be reviewing the thriller Dark Places, along with the indie comedy Fort Tilden. Fort Tilden. Fort Tilden. Of course, we'll also be going over some of what we've been watching. This week's movie predictions, due on video on demand, DVD and Blu-ray releases. Remember, you can send us your questions to podcast at filmpulse.net or leave us a comment on the site. We'd love to hear from you. Before we jump into our first movie this week, I just want to give a shout out to our latest Patreon subscriber, Jackie. Thank you so much for supporting the show. If you want to support the show and see all the cool rewards that we are offering, including early access to every episode. Basically, as soon as we finish recording, I start editing, and I get it up on the Patreon page as soon as I can. That's for $3 subscribers, so if you head over to the Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse, you can look at all the goals that we have set up, the rewards, all that stuff, and uh, help support the show. We appreciate that so much. It's not just supporting the show, it's supporting the website too. So we have lots of great writers on the site, lots of great reviews and news and all kinds of fun stuff coming out. So check it out, patreon.com slash filmpulse. I'm not going to do a lot of plugs like this every week or anything, yeah, but from time to time, sprinkle it in. Okay, like, a, li- a, like a light dusting? Just a little dusting, just a little sprinkle it in there. Remind people. Right. I, I I revised some of the, the goals and rewards and stuff. Like, I'm always updating that page and tweaking it. So, check back often for lots of uh, new things. And if you have any ideas of what you would like to see, let us know. All right, let's go ahead and get into our first review here. I was thinking we could, uh, we could tackle Dark Places first. What do you think? Let's do it. Because that's the one that's actually out this week. Fort Tilden's <laughs> not out yet. Does Fort Tilden so, even come out at any point in time? It's, it's, yeah, it's coming out next week. Oh, okay. It's coming out next Mix. week, but we already have next week lined up, so I figured Ooh. we would uh, do Fort Tilden this week, and then we have our two for next week already set. Oh, man. Dark Places, directed by Gillis Paquette Brenner. Nailed it. God, you are so good at this. That is probably horribly No, wrong. I think I that was like 100%. I think that was actually like 105% correct. You know, it's terrible. I don't even know if that's a male or female director. It's a male. I just looked at it. <laughs> I, like, <laughs> I like the fact that you didn't wait to find out. One you, second. Yeah. <laughs> one second and click the link. I just I decided to, to display my ignorance for everyone. Mm-hmm. Any, anyway. It's uh, also written by him along with uh, Gillian Flynn, who wrote the novel that this is based on. Same author as Gone Girl. I have a synopsis here. Libby Day was only seven years old when her family was brutally murdered in the rural Kansas farmhouse. Twenty year, 25 years later, she agrees to revisit the crime and uncovers the wretch- wrenching truths that led up to that tragic night. Mm-hmm. The stars uh, a good number of people, surprising number of people here, including Charlize Theron, uh, Nicholas Holt, Sterling Jerns, Christina Hendricks, 
Corey Stoll, Ty Sheridan, uh, Chloe Grace Moretz. I think I'm going to start this one off. Start it. Roll it. I didn't like this movie at all. Surprise. <laughs> Uh, so it was pretty bad, honestly. I there wasn't a whole lot that I did like about it. It started off okay. I liked the premise where there was this murder club, the this group of people that are kind of fascinated about uh, with with serial killers and famous murders, and they get together and they kind of go over the evidence and they try to see if there's any kind of discrepancies in the case or anything and solve these really famous murders and uh, that's led up by Nicholas Holt and they kind of they track down Charlize Theron who is Libby Day as an adult and sort of hire her to help them with the murder of her family so that I thought was interesting I like I liked the the mystery aspect where you know she thought that this is what happened but as the film progresses she realizes like oh maybe that's not really what happened maybe i don't think it's a big spoiler to say that they initially believe that her brother was the one that murdered her whole family mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the the younger version was played by ty sheridan the older version was Corey stoll and the the film is structured a lot like gone girl where it jumps forward and back in time so like as we're as things are progressing in the present, we get little snippets of what really happened in the past. It uh, it has some voiceover, plenty plenty of voiceover, just like Gone Girl. Although it's it's much much worse in it this movie. So much worse. <laughs> it's really bad in this movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the other things that that bothered me that they that they seem to want to cut to was the first person black and white shots i thought those were awful and well luckily they kind of got rid of it it was pretty heavy early on like the movie they bring the movie back towards the end it. though yeah and it comes back a little bit at the end but wow that was a terrible decision because once the yeah. movie starts i'm thinking what is is this found footage is this what we're doing <laughs> <laughs> why why are we doing in this this is a terrible idea i don't i don't know why they made that decision but man, that did not work at all. So, I was not a fan of really anything in this. I thought the dialogue was pretty bad. I thought the the twist ending, which we're not going to spoil it, I thought was ridiculous. And uh, <laughs> I, I saw a lot of it coming. I predicted a lot of it. Now, they throw a curveball at you at, at the very end where it's like, even if you think... Oh well, it's this person or that person. They 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 mix it up a little bit, and they're like, "Oh, it's nah, nah. <laughs> That's exactly how they present it too. Pretty much. It's just I just so much I, shit going on in this movie or this book too. You know, it's based off of a book, so I don't know. You know, it seems like it's they took it pretty much everything that was in her book because it's a much. It's much like Gone Girl, where there's just so much shit going on, and it's so ridiculous. I heard the book was quite good, but I, I don't know. What did you, what did you think of this movie? I thought it was god awful. Okay, That's just, this was just, <laughs> just making sure we're on the same page here. <laughs> is I'm trying to think of positives, um, and if I can think of positives, the uh, Ty Sheridan was pretty good. I enjoyed his performance. He was good, but the whole time I 
kept thinking of did you see the trailer for entertainment the the greg turkington no. movie that's coming huh. well first of all you have to see no that because i want to see that movie more than anything in the world so no trailers for that not watch okay Got well, ty sheridan's cold. ty sheridan's in that and he he plays a clown and every time <laughs> he was in this movie i just thought of that this one scene that's in the trailer i could see that ruining ruining the film for you because you would just think clown every time yeah at, so at was, any rate, I was yes. lucky that, that Ty, didn't happen. Ty Sheridan was good. I think that I think that he's a really good young actor, and I think that this is the type of role that he's sort of played before. So I, I think that yeah, he did a he did a good job with it. Yeah, I think he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be fantastic. Uh, Charlize, I you know she did a good job. You know she said she, fuck a lot. Did you notice that? Yeah, and I mean she. What she's working with, you gotta admit, she did a pretty damn good job because she really she does a good job. I mean, she sells some of the most ridiculous things, I, and especially I the she, voiceover stuff that they have her do. Oh my god! That <laughs> oh boy, whoa, yikes! That was rough. I thought, yeah, I thought that she she did a good job. I think she always does a good job, even if. I never buy her as like a white trash person. Yeah, she she kind of plays a, a white trashy type person in this, and I just don't buy it. She's way too hot for that. I mean, she's she's, she's just she, too good looking. She's too refined. Like they try and rough her up, but it's if, it takes it, feels a, it takes a lot of work to rough up Charlize. Yeah, you gotta admit. But uh, there's just I see the problem that I have. Number one is. Jillian Flynn's just everything that she does. I'd, I've never read any of her books. I've heard great things, but basing going off of Dark Places and Gone Girl, I want nothing to do with her writing ever. <laughs> I mean, this is just... It's, she has everything in here. She has like every stereotypical thing. Again, she has a person faking sexual assault, rape, you know, to try and destroy someone's life. She has Charlize, because of her trauma, apparently is a hoarder. I mean, there's just everything in here, you know, because of the fake sexual assault, that person's a stripper. It's just all these stereotypical things. It's just too much. It's like white trash Suzanne Beer. If you're, if you know Suzanne Beer movies, where she just, there's just so much going on and they just, Layer it and layer it and layer it. All these terrible things happening to create this drama and tension, and that's what she does. But it's just all so ridiculous. I can't yeah, it take does, it. It does feel a little kind of like supermarket novel esque to me. Well, and then, you know like, what I mean, like the well, and Chloe Grace Moritz character and um, the Trey character, who's played by um, Shannon Cook. What? I, mean, I, mean, <laughs> I just remembered that one that scene, scene so... the, the the scene with the uh, in the field. Oh I just God. remembered it's that just, scene. It's, so terrible. <laughs> it's, it's like what what is happening here? It was the funniest thing I've seen all year, and not what in a is good going way. on. I mean, that's an interesting premise because that is well, a really yeah. it's a really um really intriguing moment in like U.S. history where like the nineties right. where. People are just obsessed 
with Satanism and they were scared yeah. to death. And it's just, yeah, you know, it was. So you have that thrown into, you know, it just, she has everything in there. And then again, I don't know what it is, but I don't know if I've ever seen Chloe Grace Moritz do a good job in anything. <laughs> uh, I mean, to me, it's just, she's trying entirely too hard. And it's, yeah, she, it's, I just cringe every time. And especially that scene. Oh my goodness. That was, yeah, that was pretty bad. When the, the movie starts off, she meets up with Nicholas Holt, who I think he's fine too in it. I think he's, he's right. a little under, he's a little underutilized in it. She meets up with him in this, in this, uh, um, Laundry. laundromat and he's playing house of the dead, but he's not. He doesn't have a gun. He doesn't have a light gun. He's like playing it with a joystick. And and right off the bat, that's that happens early on in the movie. And I, I was like, uh-oh, that's not boding well. They're not even getting being accurate with their video game references here. I was like, that's a big problem for me. <laughs> I just imagine you like leaning up in your seat and be like, uh-uh, uh-uh, this is not good. <laughs> I just wanted to get up and leave at that point. You are on, uh, you are on notice, dark places. And this is I mean, a really a- good, um, and I'm just completely jumping all over the place here, but if you wondering what uh, Gone Girl or a Gillian Flynn movie would look like without a good director like David Fincher attached, this is it. Yeah, like, this is it. This is, this is it. <laughs> if you're wondering how bad Gone Girl could have been if it wasn't David Fincher, watch Dark Places. And you'll know. Now, I don't know if this is a nitpick. This is another thing that, that kind of bothered me. This, is, so, this movie is nothing but nitpicks. Okay, so, again, I don't, I don't think that this is a big spoiler. But there's a, there's a daughter involved. Um, Damn, when they those, jump ahead those to, kids to, were the to, worst. When they jump ahead to present day, uh, Corey Stoll's character, uh, he has a, a young daughter, and... This is what I don't understand because the event, the the murder, took place in 1985. Mm-hmm. We jump ahead 28 years later, and yet his daughter looks like she's 14 years old. That's true. I don't get that. I don't get that. She's supposed to be 28 years old. Well, it's actually 30 years later. It says in the tagline. Oh, does. So her daughter's okay. His daughter's thirty. No, she's not. Yeah, she was like fifteen years old. The timeline totally did not match up, and and maybe that's a nitpick, but that actually bothered me as soon as they introduced her. And there's just there's so many misdirects that don't work at all. Oh yeah, I mean there's just, like there's... I mean they. There's no conviction behind these misdirects whatsoever. It's, it's almost it's almost like they set it up like a slasher. Like right now, I'm watching this the Scream TV series on MTV, which like right now, actually, yeah, right this <laughs> second, which actually isn't isn't that bad. But they do the same thing. They they play it up like uh, there's red herrings all over the place. Yeah. You know, you, it's a show like that. And certain slasher movies like Scream are designed to make you think the whole time, did they do it? Did they do it? You know, was it him? Yeah. Was it her? And I felt like that's how this movie was. There were several scenes that were set up to deliberately be red herrings. And that always that always bothers me because I feel like if you do it right, 
you can introduce a suspect into your movie and not have it be so overt. Yeah. And be like, oh, well, you know, they dedicated this one specific camera shot to somebody looking nefarious, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, all that sucked out right from the beginning because of the way that uh, uh, the little little Libby Day Mm -hmm. is sort of talked to at the hospital. So right off the bat, you know, okay, well, it wasn't bad. And I'm sorry, oh yeah, I you just ruined the movie for anyone. But it's terrible I, I don't, anyway. So yeah, you you know you know off the bat, it's, it's like oh, it's probably not, not going to be him. And then you know they introduce another character about I don't know halfway through or a little over halfway through, and you're like oh okay, so it, it's that. And then we're just going to steal from that Johnny Depp movie. Gotcha. I see what's up. Yeah, yeah. This was a big fail for me. It's I just did not... this was. Mm, mm. And there's just nothing going on anywhere else. You know, the imagery. Not You know, there's no tension. There's nothing. There's just nothing. Yep. It's just a series of awfulness. And then the whole shit at the end with a voiceover and, you know. No, I that ju- was... The one thing I didn't learn... Eye-rolling. I didn't learn in my prison. It's like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, my God. Come on. Yeah, this was pretty eye-rolling pretty eye-rolling it's just uh a lot of these people deserve better i agree i agree it's a it's a decent cast but i don't know what happened with that and then there's just oh my god i just remembered something else when she goes to see her dad at the nuclear waste <laughs> yeah he lives in a in a nuclear a toxic waste site. and not only that he lives like inside of a drum yeah. Like a giant drum. He lives in like a giant uh, silo or something. She has to walk through like a Dodeskadin type made made up camp to get to the shanty huge, town. Yeah, to get to the <laughs> huge building, and he's inside just alone. No one else thought to live inside the giant structure except for him because he's a genius, and he's living inside of a giant drum. And his name's Runner. What? It's, oh my god. What the fuck? (laughs) 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 Yep, yep. This one, this one didn't work for me at all. It was awful. Yep, not into this one. All right, let's give out some scores for this thing. Uh, Man, actually, I didn't even think about what I want to score this one till just now. I, I'll give it a three and a half. Three and a half. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll give it a four, just based on some decent performances, I guess. Yeah, I'll say. F- Shit, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm torn here. Three and a half or four? Uh, I'm not gonna commit. I'll just say three and a half or four. <laughs> Somewhere in between. Three point seven five. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go three. There you go. Dark places available everywhere now. It's on demand, mm-hmm. and I think it, it's playing in select cities too. But I think, but yeah, I can't recommend this one. No. Let's move on. And talk about a comedy. All right. Fort Tilden. This is directed by Sarah Violet Bliss and Charles Rogers. It's also written by them. Uh. I have a synopsis here. A comedy about Allie and Harper and their needlessly difficult journey to the beach. 
This mm-hmm. is it stars Bridie Elliott and Claire McNulty. Now this movie, so it comes out. It comes out next weekend. It'll be on uh, VOD, I believe, next weekend. I find that this is one of pr- probably one of the most polarizing films I've seen this year. People are hating this movie, mm-hmm. but I noticed that. but I've noticed that a lot of people are, are liking this movie, and I actually liked this movie. I liked this movie quite a bit. We've seen a lot of movies like this and, and TV shows too come out within the last two years. I would say about you know two. 220 something women living in New York City trying to make a go of it. You know, we've seen. Just trying to do it, man. You know, uh, Broad City and girls and apartment troubles, and uh, I'm sure that I'm missing some here and there, but I feel like there's a lot of them recently. Could be. And I thought that this one was quite funny. I laughed a lot. I mean, it, it was. The, the thing about this movie is. You're not. It, it's not designed so that you like these characters. They're horrible people. They're awful. They're kind They're of annoying. Awful. They're annoying. You're not supposed to like them. But I, I thought that it was. But I didn't think that they were like completely reprehensible. No, no. You know I mean, no. there's they're there's just, moments they're just where obl- they're, they're okay people. They're just kind of oblivious to the world. They're not. They're not mean. They're more like. Uh, they're kind of self-involved. Yeah, they're, they're more like they're they're nice to your face and then talk behind your back type of people. So, basically, the movie's set up... Um, I forgot. We were going to start with you this with this one. Go ahead. What did you think of Fort Tilden? Ah! Uh, I didn't hate it. I thought it was alright. It's kind of so-so for me. I, I enjoyed it for the most part. I thought it was pretty, pretty funny. Uh, I thought... For a little bit in the in the middle section there, I thought it kind of dragged a bit, and then once they once they got to their destination or like the vicinity mm-hmm. of their destination, I did I did appreciate how it, it kind of switched gears a little bit. Like there was still mm-hmm. some comedy thrown in here and there, but it definitely got uh, a bit more serious in tone. Mm-hmm. Just from they kind of you know confront one another. Because the entire time yeah. you are kind of thinking, like, why are they friends? Mm-mm. Like, how is this working for them? And then they kind of, it kind of spills out. It definitely I, is the type of. I thought it was interesting. Sorry to cut you off. No, it's, you're fine. It's definitely the type of movie that I think could be uh, appreciated by people that live in New York or are at least familiar with uh, New York culture. And there's like, there's just so many little, there's so many little jokes in here that I found to be really funny. I liked the, one of my favorite scenes was the iced coffee scene when they go into the bodega (laughs) and and order the iced coffee. Why did they think that that was, what are they thinking? (laughs) Uh, Just, just the scene with the woman putting the ice cubes in the coffee. Oh god, that was funny. And I like the whole barrel thing. The whole when they found the barrel. <laughs> but they thought they got a really good deal. Yeah. And it was just a barrel on the street. And I like the callback towards the end when they find another barrel. The other barrel, yeah. With authentic wear. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah. It's something. I, I thought the performances were good from the two leads, too. Bridie Elliott mm-hmm. and uh, Claire McNulty. I thought they, they carried the film pretty well. Yeah, I thought that they were they were funny. thought they did a good job. But, uh, I don't know. It's one of those... Man, I just really don't know. It's, <laughs> you know... I'm just I'm trying to see, I'm trying to think in my head because it's really fresh. I just watched this like an hour and a half ago, so I'm trying to think of how much this is actually going to stick with me. And I have a feeling that it's not really going to stick with me. Well, I, I saw it. A, I saw it a few weeks ago, and it has not stuck with me. But that doesn't mean that I didn't like it. Yeah, and I no, didn't that, find it funny. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like at, when I was watching it. Through the 98 minutes or whatever that it is that it ran across my face, I enjoyed myself. I wasn't thinking, oh my god, when is this going to be over? Um, I didn't hate the characters as much as it seemed like everyone else did when I kind of yeah. looked up the film afterwards. Yeah, I wanted to and was, come I back to that. that. Was kind of, that, that was kind of surprising. Like The heat is really strong. It is, it's very strong, and I, I don't really... I mean, I can understand... I don't really I, understand it. I can understand, like, not liking the two leads, especially the Harper character, because I thought she was the worst out of the two. Yeah. I can understand not liking them, but, uh, wow, I didn't think that they were that absolutely terrible. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many other shows and movies that have these types of characters, and it's not like they, they were terrible people. You know, there's a lot of movies that have terrible people in them that are just evil human beings. They were just self-centered 20-somethings, you know, uh, Harper's freeloading off of her wealthy family and trying to be an artist. Yeah, that's one thing that needs to stop. Let's stop making people artist characters. Let's just... Well, that's... Let's stop. I mean, that's part part of the joke, right? Is that, that... She's living off of her trust fund, and she fancies herself a, a cultured artist when, in fact, she really has no idea what the real world is like. It's true. And I mean, they, you know, once once it gets towards the end, it gets... I thought it got interesting when they, you know, sort of confronted each other, and they kind of, you know, tell each other, and they realize, you know, what they are. Mm-hmm and what type of people they are and then they end up changing but they end up kind of switching personalities and Allie ends up becoming this like apathetic doesn't give a shit like when she goes back to the ep guy about his bike Mm -hmm. just doesn't care anymore (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh they they hit his bike that was funny and then and Allie the character so the character of Allie is more like the she she claims to be, you know, very earth conscious, and she's the type of person that likes to eat a lot of kale. You know, I could imagine, and she's going into the the Peace Corps, right? The Peace Corps. Yeah, going into the old Peace and, Corps, which I did like that running joke throughout that she was yeah. going to Liberia, and everyone just immediately is like, no, <laughs> no, yeah, that 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 scene when they went <laughs> when they into talk, the park, and again, John Early. Another good, uh, another good turn from John Early. That was really funny. As one of Benji's, part of uh, Benji's harem of bitches. Yeah, and he was the, he was the guy that just goes no, no, Mm-mm. don't do that. No. And then the other guy's like, 
my my sister went to Portugal. She's yeah, go to Portugal. Do that instead. <laughs> uh... No one knows how anything works. But you know, early on in the film, you see that you know when they're trying to get ready for the day. She wakes up early. She's getting everything ready. Mm-hmm. You know, she actually seems to have a plan and is doing things with her life and actually knows about responsibility. Not a large amount, but enough. And then by the end of the film, she's just completely different. She's been beaten down by the day. trying, And, and it's kind of structured similarly to a road trip movie. It's just that they're not in a car. They're at first on bikes. And I love this. I love the scene when their bikes were getting stolen too. That mm-hmm. was hilarious. Just the fact that the black woman's like, no, he's stealing your bike. And then the, the <laughs> fact that she points it out to him afterwards that she just, I laughed at that. I laughed at that because that would probably be me just standing there. Like, what do I do? My bike's getting stolen. <laughs> I probably do the same thing because I wouldn't want to lose my place in line. Yeah. I'd be, I wouldn't I would be wanna, sitting I wouldn't there doing the pros and cons. Like, oh, I would lose my place in line, which is a pretty good spot. But then, I'll, By the time you make a decision, it's already too late. Yeah, kind of forced him to make it for you. Yeah, I thought, that, I thought that scene was quite funny. I liked it overall. I liked it more than Apartment Troubles. I, I think that that's, at least for me, that's the, that's the one, the closest comparison. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it's definitely better than Apartment Troubles. I had more fun with this one. I thought that I laughed a lot more in this one. Yeah, I don't know what Apartments, Apartment Troubles uh, story is, like when it was made and the release of it and everything, but man, that everything about that movie just felt stale mm-hmm. because a lot of the a lot of the plot lines to it were just felt like it should have been in a movie like 10 years ago, not one that yeah. came out in 2015. Yeah. This movie actually played festivals and stuff a long time ago this has been floating around for a while and it's just now getting released but i i just don't get the hate on this movie i think that it's really funny i there's so many other movies that have characters like this that are kind of stereotypical well and i wonder you know that always plays a part too these people that hate it did they just watch you know five movies where they had these types of characters and you sort of get an overkill Oh, maybe. Or and maybe, you know, maybe. I, 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 like for me, I don't know about you, but for me, I watched this after Dark Places. And Dark Places was so terrible and so incompetent. <laughs> this was a breath of fresh this air. This was a breath of fresh air. And not only that, but it's a comedy and it's light and it's breezy and it's kind of like, oh, this is, yeah, I'm enjoying myself. I like this. It's not, you know, it's not trying too hard like Dark Places was. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it uh, is what it is. Yeah. It is what it is. There's good chemistry between the two main characters. It's humorous throughout. I mean, it's not laugh out loud funny. It's not going to, you know, your stomach's not going to be hurting from laughing. But you get some chuckles and some chortles here and there. I I feel like I laughed out loud a couple times in it. There's a lot of awkward comedy in it, too. Mm -hmm. A lot of, I think the dialogue's quite good. I just, I thought that the opening scene was really good at setting the stage when they were watching their friend sing. And, it, and they were texting back and forth. I gotta say that's the, maybe not the first, but it's one of the few times where I didn't hate the on-screen texting. The texting, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't hate that. So that's a plus because I usually <laughs> cannot. I just loathe that I abhor anything of like Twitter or texting on the screen. I just can't stand it. But here it kind of worked. Yeah, I think it worked here. They had a really nice apartment. 
I don't know how much they pay yeah, for they, that. Well, that's the, no, holy crap. that's the thing I hate about all New York movies. The apartments just don't make sense to me. Well, the well, I guess I mean apparent. Apparently, what's her name? Harper's family was rich, so maybe they're that makes a little, oh yeah floating it. That makes a little more sense. But their apartment was huge. Well, their apartment was ridiculous. Why don't you have an apartment like that? Because an apartment like that is probably like five thousand dollars a month. Oh, they're in Brooklyn, so it was probably not as much as Manhattan, but also it depends on what area they were in, of course. It always depends. Uh, yeah, I don't have a whole lot else to say about it. I I want people to see this movie. I I, I do recommend it. I think that it is funny, and I it's one that I feel the need to defend because a lot there's a lot of hate coming towards it, and I I think that it's I don't I don't really understand the hate coming towards it because of these two characters that are unlikable i mean come on a lot of movies have unlikable characters in them a lot of movies have these characters in them yeah i think there's a lot more a lot more films out there that need more hate especially because there's a lot more behind them you know budget wise talent wise yeah and, and i think that this was cleverly done i don't i don't think that it it didn't feel lazy or or just sweeping generalizations i mean it the the characters had some depth to them they weren't just flat uh parodies of you know how these women are perceived in real life yeah i would agree with that i would agree so they have it fort tilden i'm gonna recommend this one so check check it out when it when it hits uh, vod next weekend Let's give us uh, some scores here. Fort Tilden, when are you going to score it? I'm going to, I'm like a light recommend. I'm like a 5.56. Like I'm going to give it there. a, I'm going to give it a six and give it a, give it a hearty recommend. Check it out. All right, let's go ahead and talk about someone we've been watching. I'll start it off this week with uh, an indie comedy. What? How's that? Staten Island Summer. This is directed by Reese Thomas. It's a coming-of-age, summertime sort of sex comedy. Okay. Basically, everybody that you can think of from SNL is in this. Really? It's, it's essentially just an SNL movie. It's got Fred Armisen, Will Forte, Colin Jost is in there, Kate McKinnon, Bobby Moynihan, tons of, tons of people from SNL. Did you... Did you? Are you sure you didn't just watch an episode of SNL? Yeah, pretty sure. Okay, pretty sure. All right. Cecily Strong. That's who I was trying to gotcha. think of, and I just, for some reason I just could not think of her name, and I like her a lot. Gina Gershon's in there. Basically, it's just your kind of typical summertime coming of age movie about this uh, kid who's going off to Harvard, got into Harvard, and he's a lifeguard at a pool. And they're trying to plan one one last staff pool party before the summer ends mm-hmm. and hijinks. You know there's going to be hijinks. It's it's uh it's sort of like Caddyshack. Actually, I would I would compare it to Caddyshack. Like Fred Armisen plays the groundskeeper, and he's kind of in a this ongoing war against hornets throughout the movie. Like these hornet, these giant hornets' nests keep popping up, and he keeps trying to come up with ways to get rid of them. Okay. 
And it's hilarious. Hi, Jinx. Not really. Oh. I I thought it was okay. I I didn't hate it. Again, didn't make me laugh a whole lot. But it was fun to see all these SNL people. I mean, Bobby Moynihan is funny in it. Gina Gershon's actually pretty funny in it, too. And it was uh, average. I'd say pretty average. Mm. I don't know what the the distribution method of this thing was, but it's on Netflix now. And I I don't know. I think that it just ended up on Netflix. Because <laughs> I, I saw a trip. It got dumped there. What you're yeah, I, I saw I saw a trailer for it a while back, and I was like, oh, I'll check that out. It, it looks not great, but you know, all these SNL people in it, and all of a sudden I put it on Netflix the other day, and it's it's on there. So I don't know. Hmm. Apparently, it came out June or July thirtieth, July thirty first. Sorry. Okay. Hmm. So I don't know. Staten Island summer. I'd say it's uh, just because it's on Netflix. Maybe check it out if you're looking for kind of a dumb comedy. If you if you don't have anything to do, you're desperately yeah. looking for something to do. Yeah, if you like if you like the current cast of SNL and want to want to check check it out, there's some voiceover in it that I didn't why, particularly what is, like. Why is there voiceover in every? Come on, let's quit it. Let's quit it with the voiceover. Let's knock it off. All right. Yeah. Just, there's no need for it. Mike O'Brien, that's the other guy. One of the newer cast members of SNL. I don't think he's on SNL anymore. Really? Yeah. Huh. I think he's gone. I could be wrong, but I watched something on Netflix as well that I'm going to have to go ahead and tell you. If you're looking for something on Netflix to watch, don't watch this. And that's 1995 Smoke from Wayne Wang. Smoke. Wayne Wang. Written, Wayne Wang. written by Paul Auster, the novelist, odd, which was the main reason that I checked this out, because I enjoy Paul Auster. Um, so let's do it. It's got Harvey Keitel, William Hurt, Forrest Whitaker, decent cast. Uh, Harvey Keitel plays Augie. He owns a cigar shop. That's why it's called Smoke. Get it? And there's all these interconnected people. And they're little stories, little vignettes, little chapters, yeah. like a book. Yeah. You know? Already lost me. Yeah. Um, I was I was intrigued by this uh, the <laughs> the cigar what? I just sorry, I just read the tagline here where it says where there's smoke, there's laughter. Yeah, there <laughs> which is really odd because it's it's not like it's not that funny. It doesn't like, it, look, the like poster it, doesn't make it look funny at all. It's not a comedy. I don't understand. I don't get it. And there's uh, not a lot takes place in the the cigar shop, which is extremely disappointing because you know I thought that that was going to be the shtick of the thing, but it's not. And they introduce William Hurt early on, who plays guess what? He plays a novelist, Paul Benjamin. And it goes most of the film is just him and him running into this character who kind of inadvertently saves his life because I guess. Paul Benjamin's an idiot and doesn't look when he crosses the street and he almost gets hit by a truck. And it's just, everything is ridiculous. The kid is running away because he stole money from robbers. So William Hurt's character lets him stay at the house and they develop this friendship. 
And then he, the kid goes off to find his dad, who's played by Forrest Whitaker, who's working out in the boondocks. And he has a hook arm for some reason. It was supposed, I guess it was supposed to be this like emotional story that they have together because Forrest Whitaker doesn't know it's his son. It's a secret. He doesn't Uh-oh. know. He doesn't know. So, and so Forrest Whitaker's telling him the story because the kid's like, hey, how'd you get your hook on? And Forrest Whitaker's like, okay, I'm going to tell you this story, but I'm going to do it like I'm a novelist and it's going to sound terrible because he's just a mechanic. So why would he be talking like this? And he oversells it. I mean, Forrest Whitaker in this movie is, oh, his overacting is terrible. It is egregious. That's kind of what Forrest Whitaker does, though. He does that a lot. He, d- he does it a lot, and he does it big time in this movie. But the fact of the matter is the dialogue that he's given doesn't match his character. So it it's you know it kind of amplifies it because you, you get the sense that he's overselling it even more because it just doesn't make sense. Like, why would he be talking like this? So, you know, like as, like as a novelist. But he's a mechanic with a hook arm. And then the fact that he has the hook arm is even worse because it's one of those old school, like, hook arms from, like, the 70s. Uh-huh. And. Rolling Thunder style. It has to fit Forrest Whitaker's actual arm. So the hook arm is, like, two feet longer than his other arm. So he's right, telling you the right. story about how he had his arm ripped off. But it looks hilarious <laughs> because you know that there's an arm in there. It's just none of it works. Absolutely none of it works. And they keep introducing these things like Augie's um, one-time girlfriend comes back who's played by Stockard Channing, which this storyline just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And for some reason, Stockard Channing has, has an eye patch that they discuss numerous times. Why? I don't know. People got eye patches and people have hook arms for some reason. And there's a scene where, you know, she's telling him that, you know, we had a daughter that you didn't know about. And he's like, bullshit, no way. And then towards the end, <laughs> towards the end, towards the end of their storyline, of course, he's like, I'm going to help you. And here's all my money to have a wonderful life, which makes no sense. Like nothing makes sense with these characters. I don't see them progressing in this way, but for some reason they do. And uh, they go to meet this daughter who's strung out on crack. I mean, the laughter is just everywhere. There's so much laughter. That's why that tagline makes no sense to me. So it's Ashley Judd, early role, strung out on crack, which doesn't, this scene makes no sense that happens in the film. Just, it doesn't make sense. It's just so much more that doesn't make sense. And you just want it to be over. Because in all honesty, it's, it's really bad. And glowing review for smoke. Yeah, and I mean, as I was watching, I'm just kind of like, you know, I, I don't like this. This is not my thing. And then the next day, you know, I was like, you know what? That movie kind of irritated me a little bit. And then my anger just kind of grew. Like each day passing, I just I came to hate it more and more. It's one of those sounds, that grows on you in a negative yeah. way. It sounds like that terrible one that I saw several years ago, that Wayne Kramer one, the Pawn Shop Chronicles or whatever. Mm. That's what it sounds like. I saw People, Places, Things. I'm not going to say anything about that other than I do recommend checking it out. We're going to review that one next weekend because it comes out next weekend. So It's part of our plans. Uh, keep that on your radar. Uh, I saw Night in the City. Hey. Gave this a watch, 1950. This was really in your wheelhouse, wasn't it? 
It was. It absolutely was. So this came out on Criterion on Tuesday, and I decided to give it a look because we talked about it last week at the end of the show, and I was like, hey, I'm going to... I want to check this one out. Directed by Jules Dassin. Dassin? Dassin? Dassin. I would say about a, uh, it's a It's a film noir. Mm-hmm. Classic yeah. classic film noir. It's all about it. And it's it takes place in London. And it's it's sort of uh, involving a, a hustler who's... He's always looking for the next thing to get into. Looking for his next angle. And he decides to become a boxing promoter. And uh, things go ter- terribly, terribly wrong are you, for him. Are you sure? Because here it says wrestling promoter. Oh, yeah. Well, it's it, yes, wrestling. It is wrestling. Okay. Sorry. All right. I miss, misspoke. He, he, he ends up meeting with this kind of famous classic Greco-Roman style wrestler and teams up with him to create uh, more traditional wrestling matches. But it, it doesn't really work out for him. <laughs> Again, things go horribly wrong. Uh, I loved the look of this movie. Holy crap! When whenever these older black and white movies get remastered, they look new. They look this movie when you watch it, it looks like a new movie that was just shot in black and white. The only thing that that gives it away is really the music. You know, it's got that classic orchestral, yeah. lots of strings, and a, music yeah. and. But holy crap, this movie's it's great. There's one scene in particular. Have you seen this? No, I have not. I've There's seen one scene. I've seen Jules Dassin movies. There's one scene in particular. It's just this little scene towards towards the end. We're nearing the climax and uh the kind of the goon of this other boxing promoter why do I keep saying boxing? Wrestling promoter is he's driving around and what happens to this to this guy, this hustler? He gets a bounty put on his head for a thousand pounds to to whoever can track him down and turn him in. And when this bounty happens, the goon of this other wrestling promoter drives around and tells all the peop- the various people that are in the underworld. And the way that it's shot, it's it's just him driving. It's it's like a single take shot. Cameras fixed the back of the car it's a convertible and he's just driving through the city and just making stops and telling people and just the way that it looks is so awesome i just i loved it and that that one scene alone really made the movie and it's just a little throwaway type yeah, thing but he, it just it looked so good he employs a lot of great stuff some shots that you know given the time period and stuff you're kind of thinking oh yeah like, how did he do another one the one that i would recommend for you that i think that would be like insanely up your alley would be Naked City because that's a New Yorker. Yeah, that's that's definitely one that uh, and there's, I have on my list too. There's a, a shootout chase scene at the end of that movie where there, the way where he gets the camera and the angles that he gets and it's you know it's done with handheld and you're just wondering like how in the world did they do this Nin- yeah. in 1948. And why does it look so damn good? Yeah, this this movie looks amazing. The cinematography in this movie is like holy sh- holy shit! There, he was so far ahead of his time in the, with this movie. But uh, yeah, I loved it. Richard Widmark, who's the main character, he was he reminded me so much of Michael Moriarty in this movie for some reason. 
just because the entire movie he was like it was almost as if he was on cocaine the whole movie he's he was sweaty the whole time and he he talked so fast all the time and he was just insane it was uh it was really fun to watch so i recommend it night in the city i don't know if this is one that that one of the criterions that uh is on hulu plus or not but i definitely recommend checking it out i saw one that i know you hated like more than anything in the world that's keyhole yeah keyhole 2011 uh i don't know how i ended up getting this for whatever reason recently netflix has just been sending me disc after disc after disc i guess because i have a lot of stuff at the top that is like on a long wait or whatever but i just keep getting stuff and this is one that i had at like q spot like 37 but i ended up getting it for some reason not sure why i guess netflix just really wanted me to see keyhole and uh yeah i can see why he hated this i there was there's a number of things that i enjoyed i thought were well done but man there's just as much if not more elements to this that are just grating and exhausting just to the it's like it doesn't the film itself doesn't want you to like it it just keeps pushing you away yeah again voiceover the narration stuff is just absolutely terrible throughout the entire film um there's the the gap between performance quality in the actors is it's noticeable which is always rough because jason patrick i was surprised i thought jason patrick does a great job in this film and uh he actually there's a lot more uh comedy than I thought there was going to be. And really the only amount of comedy that does work is the stuff that comes from Jason Patrick. It falls flat with everyone else, really. Except Udo Kyer commenting on wallpaper. <laughs> um, so if there wasn't Jason Patrick's performance in this, I would have outright hated this movie. Just would have absolutely hated it. But he kept me in it enough that I could make it to the end. And again, like the look of the film, I enjoyed and I respect it. Like the editing is fantastic. The editing's great. Um, And it's just this amalgamation of all these different genres of like experimental cinema. And you have your gangster films and your noir and your, your kind of has horror elements to it, which at times they worked at other times they don't like the ghosts moaning and screaming all the time. I couldn't, I couldn't handle that. Um, and the fact that people just kept randomly saying ghost for whatever reason, mm-hmm, it's just, mm-hmm. it's a tough one. It's a tough one because there's things that I like and there's a lot of things that I don't like and they're all intertwined in there. I hated it. I thought it looked like shit. I couldn't stand anything about this movie. The acting is fucking atrocious. Except for Jason Patrick, except for, except for all the named actors like Isabella Rossellini, I remember being fine in it. Yeah, everyone. I mean, you get to see Kevin McDonald hump a ghost. Yeah, yeah, little kids in the hall action. Yeah, I wasn't ready for that, but that happened. But see, see when when you have a movie like this, a black and white film, it's got great lighting. To me, when you shoot it on, I don't know what they shot it on, some crappy digital camera. That just completely took me out of it because it didn't look like a classic movie to me. It looked like 
a, a new movie shot on a crappy digital camera that was at, that had filters added to try to make it look old. Hmm. I just I can't stand bad digital camera work and and to me this had that look and it's like if you're trying to make this really artistic uh surreal journey then get some decent like shoot it on you know 16 millimeter or something shoot it on film or or get a decent camera that can mimic that style hmm. fail it was a failure Whoa. failure holy shit all right i thought it was all right i wasn't high on it i appreciate things but overall, mm, it's let down. But I got I got to again. I got to say, Jason Patrick really surprised me. I was not. I was not ready for that. I didn't think that that's what I was going to find. Well, the only reason that his performance is a standout is because nobody expected him to be anything other than terrible. I guess. And you're just like, oh wow. Hey, he's not. Hey, <laughs> he did a pretty good job here. I don't mind. I don't mind Jason Patrick. I think he's he's all right. I saw reality show, aka shooting the Warwicks. Okay. So this is uh, I didn't I didn't even know this until after I watched the movie that it's kind of they did a, a similar thing that they did with the trip where it was originally an eight episode mini series that they re-edited and truncated down into a an actual movie. All right. Directed by uh, Adam Rifkin, the guy who did Detroit Rock City and Giuseppe Makes a Movie. Uh, those those are the only two other movies I saw from him, which I liked. I liked Detroit Rock City and Giuseppe Makes a Movie quite a bit. Uh, however, this one, Shooting the Warwicks, I did not like. I, I really, really did not like this one. Now, I have a full review up on the site right now for this. It came out this weekend, so you can see it on VOD. Basically, it's a found footage style dark comedy that that criticizes reality show culture. And, you know, this is all it's all stuff we've seen a million times before. (laughs) And that was the big that was the first hurdle that I had with this movie. The second is that it it falls for a lot of the the found footage tropes where as you're watching it. You're just like, how could they get that shot? How, how does that even work? How are we hearing them when there are no mics present? Just these technical details mm. in, in found footage that always get me and always bother me. And you know, those are all present. The movie looks like crap. It, it looks like a, a low-budget TV show. It just doesn't look good at all. Now... In the film's defense, I know that it's supposed to look like kind of a, a cheap reality show, but what happens is it doesn't really look like a cheap reality show. It looks like a cheap movie that's supposed to be a reality show. Yeah. And the the story is about a, a producer who he wants to make this reality show that's that's truly real. Like, it's a real reality show. And the only way that you can make things truly real life is by not telling the subjects that they're being filmed. So they pick a family at random and they send them on a vacation. They say that they won a contest and mother gone. They plant all these hidden cameras in their house and in their car. And then they come back and they film them. But as it turns out, this family is pretty boring. They're, they're your 
typical loving family. There's no hidden hidden secrets that that they're keeping from each other. There's no arguments. There's nothing nefarious going on at all. Yeah. So the network says you, you got to spice it up a bit. So what happens is the, the producer of the show, who's played by Adam Rifkin, he starts doing things to, to sort of mess with the family, which ends up raising the question, you know, this is this even real anymore? Is this is this real or are you just manufacturing this this drama and, and ruining basically ruining this this family mm-hmm. and it gets it keeps getting darker and darker and darker <laughs> and just when you think that it it can't get worse it gets worse and there it it leads to this incredibly dark violent conclusion hmm. where pretty much the worst thing that you can think of happens to these people in this family and it's uh yeah, it's it's kind of interesting, but again, it's been it's all been done before. We've seen this before. We've seen the Truman Show and Series Seven, the Contenders, and even the the one that that came to mind while I was watching it was that Onion uh, parody, Sex House. That was definitely similar to this in that it gets very dark mm. in in kind of unexpected ways. So yeah, this this one didn't work for me. Things always gotta get dark. It's built as a comedy, but it's just, it's so mean-spirited and awful that nothing feels funny. You know, seeing a dog get hit by a car and splattered all over the road is not funny. No, that doesn't sound funny. No, no. It's just, it's pretty awful. Pretty awful. Can't recommend it. It's called Shooting the Warwicks. If you're looking it up on Letterboxd or IMDb, actually, I think on IMDb it is Shooting the Warwicks. On Letterboxd, it's called Reality Show. the The show on Showtime was called Reality Show, mm. but I and originally that's what the movie was also called, but they changed it. Gotcha. So yeah, I'm out. Anything I'm else? I'm done. The only other one that I'll mention really quickly is Descendants. This is a Disney Channel movie that I saw this weekend. Oh my god! What? This is t- this movie is so bad. I had a really rough week here, Kevin. I just saw, like, crap after crap. Uh, So, Descendants is a live-action Disney Channel movie that has the the offspring of some of the Disney villains. So, you have the son of Jafar from Aladdin. You have the son of Cruella de Vil, the daughter of Maleficent, and then the daughter of... uh, the evil queen um, from Snow White, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and basically they're all friends. They're all they're all BFFs with each other, and they end up moving to like the main kingdom or whatever, where all the good good guys are, and they go to school with like Prince Charming's son and Beast's son, <laughs> and it's uh well. I can't even I can't even yeah. describe how terrible this is. You have no one to blame. Alright, well No one. Well they okay, so Disney sent us the DVD for review. And by the way, they didn't even put this out on Blu-ray. They just they're like, you know what, we're not even gonna waste our time with Blu-ray on this one. We're just gonna put it out on DVD. They sent us the DVD for review and so it was 
<laughs> it was uh, for review. Um, well, and it's a musical too. Uh-huh. That's the best part. It's a musical, and there's dubstep in it. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, just if you have some time, watch. Just watch the trailer, and you'll be like, "What? Oh God! What is it that? is so. It is so awful." That sounds. That sounds like the worst possible thing I could do with my life. Even the, even for the demographic that it's going for, it's terrible. I can imagine. It's not. It's not funny. There's dance numbers in it. It's. It's. Ugh. Ugh. Kristen Chenoweth plays Maleficent, and she's really the only person that's even half decent in this movie. Hmm. So, yeah, even if if you have kids that are into, like, Disney princesses or whatever the hell, don't even. Don't don't even go anywhere near this movie. You'll want to claw your eyes out and your ears by the end. Yeah, like that's never happening. All right, let's talk about some predictions. Last week, we predicted Fantastic Four. You said 44. I said 42, actual 9. <laughs> Oh, Fantastic Four. Wow. Wow. Did you hear the whole drama with uh, d- the director, Josh Trank, and how he sent out a tweet that that basically said that the movie was crap when he deleted it? Hmm. So he apparently sent out this tweet, or he did send out the tweet, that said there was a good movie here at first, but they through like reshoots or whatever it it got messed up so he was kind of damning the movie himself which eh, is kind of a kind of a no-no especially because he sent that tweet out before the movie even came out (laughs) wow yeah so apparently fantastic four no good i'm not gonna bother with it sean the sheep you said 90 i said 87 actual 99 on sean the sheep wow yeah, so apparently that one's really good. Ricky and the Flash, you said 42, I said 36, actual 59. Oh. Still no interest. Still no yeah, interest. Yeah, none whatsoever. Now, apparently, we didn't predict the, the gift, because I thought that that wasn't getting a wide release, but I guess it did get a wide release. And that has a 92. So that's that's a real surprise. Wow. That that got scored so highly, I I might uh, have to check that out today. Hmm. That's the that's the directorial debut of Joel Edgerton. So yeah, how about that? I'm interested. I was interested before, but now that it has a 92, I'm like, oh okay. Next week we have Straight Outta Compton. Oh yeah. What are you thinking on this one? Thinking 62. I hope that this one's good i really have no idea what to expect from it so i will say 76 okay all right we also have we also have the man from uncle guy Ritchie. god Ritchie's back he's back with a vengeance i think that this movie looks pretty fun now if it's any good so i don't know and it, it kind of sucks that it's coming out after Mission Impossible because I feel like 
it's probably going to be overshadowed by Mission Impossible. Yeah, and now you got to wonder what are what are critics' feelings towards Guy Ritchie now? Yeah, because he's yeah they don't they don't really like him. Yeah, I, I think anymore they they kind of lost faith in Guy Ritchie. I'll say sixty two on that one. I'm gonna say fifty four. Next week in limited release, we have Mistress America. It's uh, Noah Baumbach, right? Yes. Which is supposed, it's supposed to be really good. It's supposed uh, to be one of its best. Well, Noah Baumbach, Greta Gerwig. Top tier Baumbach. Is he the one you don't like? Yeah, I'm not a big, is... I'm not a big fan of him. He's all right. What was... Uh, he just did... Uh, While We're Young... While we're young, yeah. Ben Stiller and yeah, that was you. You you saw that, but I didn't see that. I yeah, I don't recommend it. Mistress America actually looks like While We're Young. It looks kind of similar. We have like the older person befriending the younger person. I hope it's not like that movie. <laughs> In any way, that'd be a huge I'm, disappointment. I'm interested. I I like no Bombax stuff. I haven't seen everything of his I, I didn't see kicking and screaming or well we're young but the other ones i liked so i'll i'll be checking that one out we also have tom at the farm little xavier dolan action get, get it people places things it's the one with jermaine clement we'll be talking about that next week okay. fort tilden check it out return to sender uh who is that that's the one with roseman pike i believe I got a an email from the publicist for this movie, and it was just the funniest thing. They were trying to send us the movie, and I, I wasn't too interested in it at first. But the thing that, that got me was, in the email, she said, This is Rosamund like you've never seen her before. And I was like, I want to see Rosamund like I've never seen her before. It also has a 9%. Well, the funny the funny thing about it was... After reading that, I was like, I don't, I can't even think of that many things that I've seen her in at all. <laughs> I've seen her in like three things. Yeah, I don't really have like a concrete like image or identity of Rosemary right. Pike. Then exactly. I'm like, this is what Rosemary Pike is like. Exactly. This is a funny email. Maru, uh, the boy. I want to see the boy. I'm pretty excited about that one. That's the horror movie with uh, Rain Wilson about the. Psycho, psychopath kid. Oh, he's got antlers. Maybe. Yeah, I'm pretty pretty psyched up for that one. And Prince. Oh, that's okay, the, yeah, yeah. That's the one that I saw a couple weeks ago. On VOD next week. Pull up my list here. Got a lot of stuff. So much. Big week next week. We have Air. That's the sci-fi movie with Norman Reedus, uh, from Robert Kirkman. The guy who did Walking Dead. Okay. Uh, I'll I'll be seeing that one. I don't know if I'll be writing a review, but uh, I'm interested in it. We have Ten Thousand Saints. I'll be checking that one out too. That's the one with uh, Aza Butterfield, I think. Right. Yeah. And Haley Steinfeld. And he, yeah, and Ethan Hawke is in it too. Uh, Cop Car. And we'll be reviewing that next week too, I believe. Fi- Final Girl. Uh, think that's uh i'm interested in that one too holy crap return to sender she's funny that way people places things tom at the farm one and two and molly moon and the incredible book of hypnotism 
big week next week. We might have to do three reviews, actually. Yeah, she's week. funny that way. It's supposed to be pretty good, I heard. Even though it's a 36% Rotten Tomatoes. Peter Bogdanovich. Yeah, new one. There's a, a lot of stuff coming out next week. So be prepared. Be prepared for a lot of uh, reviews. Clear schedule. Okay. Also, Prince comes out on Saturday the 15th on VOD. So Just don't don't leave your house, people. Let's talk about some Blu-rays. Got some decent stuff coming out on Blu-ray next week. We have Hot Pursuit. That's not decent. I should have I started with a decent one. I started with Hot you Pursuit. Did, you did not think that one out. No, no. That was just the first one I saw. Unfriended. We have The People Under the Stairs on Scream Factory. Ooh. Very excited for that one. Okay. I love The People Under the Stairs, and the Scream Factory release looks pretty awesome. So, quite excited for that. Police Story Lockdown, that's the latest Jackie Chan movie in the Police Story saga. We have Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Okay. One of the most talked about Halloween movies. A lot, of, a lot of debates over that one because it has no Michael Myers in it at all. It's back when they were going to make... The Halloween movies, kind of like uh, an anthology type deal that didn't work. I am hmm. Chris Farley, which is the documentary about Chris Farley. L.A. Confidential getting a Blu-ray release. What? Yeah, one of my favorite movies of all time is finally coming to Blu-ray. And some other some other Blu-ray releases: Heat from 1995. Ooh. Yeah, The Negotiator, Empire Records. The man who knew too little. These are all. These are all worth checking out. Carpool, starring Tom oh, Arnold. Yes, God, Carpool. <laughs> the only thing I, I remember about Carpool. There's two things I remember about Carpool. One, the Ramones. I want to be sedated, mm-hmm. playing over and over, nonstop through that whole fucking movie. And two, they did a uh, a stunt where they flung a car into a mall, and I remember seeing. How they did the stunt and it was really crazy how they did it at the time i mean there's no cg or anything and the way that they did that stunt was really impressive plus the the kid they always you know it was back during that time where you always had to have that one kid that was really weird the weird kid that wears the shower cap yeah and didn't they they like they repainted a, their car with like nail polish or something probably yes that sounds familiar and horrible. It's a good movie to watch with some friends. What do we got on Criterion? We got two. First one up, The French Lieutenant's Woman, Meryl Streep, cool. 1981. Big screen adaptation, John Foles' novel. Same name. <laughs> I've, I've never heard of this movie, nor do I have any interest. Uh, Meryl Streep, Jeremy Irons, period piece. So you can imagine what that is. And now this is an exciting one. This is one's where it's at. This is an Eclipse series. Eclipse series 43. Agnes Varda in California. Five films. Varda, when she was in California. Good stuff right here. These are hard to find. Finally getting put out. Uh, the one, I've only seen one of these, and that's Lion's Love, which I recommend. But uh, all of them sound great. Cool. So I, I highly suggest that one. And not the other one. Period piece. Streep Irons. Come on. If you have a choice between that or five Vardas, <laughs> give me a break. There you have it. Good number of things coming out next week on Blu-ray. So great, great week next week. I'm really excited. 
really excited. Take the whole week off. Just take the whole week off. Watch movies. Yeah. Just do it. Why not? All right. I think that that'll do it for the week. Send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net. Follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider subscribing for as little as $1 per month. Like I said, go over there, check out all the cool perks and rewards and all that fun stuff we have. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie. Uh, Gil, uh, yes, how do you pronounce it? Do you know how to pronounce it? (laughs) Uh, Let me just sit here. God damn it. Mm. Mm.